Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. You know, I'm pretty confident that if you dropped us on a battlefield with 99 other anime podcasts, we'd, we'd have a good chance of coming out on top. I don't know. What we you would guys be think. the last podcast standing. I don't know. Make no um, mistake. I don't know how to do T spins, so I don't know if we'd make it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, yeah, man, it's, it's fine. We. We, you know, we we drop we drop in at water treatment. All right, it's not usually as hot as artillery. We 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 arm up. We move into bone zone from there. We got this. We got this. As as long as nobody disconnects on us, we should be fine. Yeah, I have a feeling we're starting oh, to use. Hold on, I thought we were talking bat- about Tetris ninety nine here. What? Oh, no, that's, what about, that's definitely what I was talking about. We're, we're talking but, about uh, the battle royale that actually matters that came out this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we are. I feel like we're starting to overuse that battle royale joke. But at the same time, considering uh, this week had two overnight sensation free to play battle royale games that came out of nowhere with no announcements and no marketing, and uh, within a, you know a week a week of each other, I think I think the joke is still relevant for now. We'll get uh, back to you next. We'll get back to you next. Five is the more important announcement. Yes, yes. We are well, well it, it depends. Hollow Knight Silk Song. Well, it depends because we got it. We they didn't they didn't show any waifus. They only showed a logo. I can't I can't judge Rune Factory I mean, Five's Rune waifu Fact- game based on its logo. <laughs> like that, three and four had pretty decent waifu game. Three had pretty decent ones. Four, three I did. feel like four three was is of a higher lacking. tier than four. Four was fine. Four was okay. Four had Forte, and that was about it. Four had some good husbandos. Yeah, who the fuck cares about husbandos? <laughs> Not me. So you're saying it's like Persona, where three had better uh, waifus than four? Whoa, what? Excuse me? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me? <laughs> no, no, I'm do just trying want, to set you guys do up. We want to get into a, <laughs> do we want to have this conversation now? I got. I got, I got, I got no, no. No, I, I'm not even sure I really believe that. Three, I can three just has Igus. Notes. Yes, three has Igus. Yes, without That's a doubt. Yes. So, what, yeah. what? Who? What, Mitsuru? What is Burger? <laughs> no, whatever. Uh, uh, no, no, I, I can't. I can't even really say that with conviction myself. I just want to no, set get, you guys get, off. Get but. out of here! Get out of here with that. <laughs> The thing is, Room Factory 3 has, like, 15 Bachelorettes or whatever. And, be, yeah. like, because Room Factory 4 allows you to play as as men or a woman, it has around the same number, but split between uh, men and ladies. Yeah, and, like, I got nothing against that. I'm just saying that that means half the available, like, field has no appeal to me. So, you I know, mean, that means, that like, what, the, what, what remaining half you do have, they gotta be top tier. And I feel like fours was not like the, the yeah, fuck I mean, you that's, got. That's fine you if got, you go for you, you got know, Forte, you got Clorica, you got Margaret, you got. Are, are, are you Dolce. seriously arguing? Are you seriously arguing that any of those are worth like fucking half of a of a of a, <laughs> of a, of a what's her name of of a Raven Carmen Karina? Yeah, exactly that trio. Exactly that's <laughs> that exact trio. <laughs> like, are, are any any of those girls in four are worth uh, talking about fucking DS games in 2019. Exactly. 
you you come you know welcome to the glory of chat your uh, your latest in your 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 your, your latest in the most relevant street three yes your 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 go to podcast for the most relevant takes on the latest DS. Uh, 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 on, the almost, on the almost 10 year old K Rune Factory 3 you know between between this and Legend of the Glory of Heroes you can depend on the Glory of Network to talk about the, uh, the, the, the most the most important stuff that's happening right now have they made a Rune Factory slash Harvest Moon gotcha game yet like I don't know if you'd have enough girls for that I mean well if you throw everything together there's definitely enough yeah, I got a roll for my five star Karen. Yeah, I think you need. If you combined all the Harvest Moons and Rune Factories together, I'm sure you'd have enough. And I mean, you could even crank out because then you can just flip them all over for their like you know wedding dress version, uh, exactly, their, exactly. Yeah, their swimsuit version, and the, the Christmas Santa hat one. And what, yeah, uh, so. what, a, what a fucking Harvest Moon gotcha! Just play like Fate Go, where it's like, oh, I got, I got a Woo Karen, but I need like five three star booze essences. Like I need to combine them to. Uh, yeah, just be Farmville, but with ladies oh yeah there's already tons of games know. where you could do the farming part and then uh, well but that's a thing like if it's a gotcha game like fucking uh, well i mean the farming part is just putting stuff on timers which is you know yeah, mobile exactly. game 101 and then yeah, you if know you assign uh, people to certain plots so they add specific bonuses so like maybe maybe uh like celia increases the timer for your farming and Anne increases the timer for your like Be- Farm maybe, animals. We should, uh, maybe we should stop saying this. You know, <laughs> take, take this offline and start working on this ourselves. But even make those games anymore. Uh, Shit, who owns the rights to Harvest uh, Moon? Oh, you want to get into that, do you? Is it Marvelous? Oh, yeah. Marvel, uh, Marvelous uh, owns the original series in Japan, but because Natsume owns the copyright to the name Harvest Moon. Natsume is making their own Harvest Moon games, and the original Harvest Moon series must now be released as Story of Seasons. All right, so we're making a Story of Seasons <laughs> gotcha game. Oh, is that uh, how that worked? Okay, now I'm yeah. So then who makes the Harvest Moon games? Marvelous. At no, this, no, who makes, the, who makes the Harvest Moon games that are called Harvest Moon in America? I mean, it used to be... Marvelous, right? But ever since the the right split, like now, Natsume is putting out their own games called Harvest Moon, huh? I believe. <sighs> All right, let's let, let's steer the ship back on track here. <laughs> that, that, that was a tangent that came out of nowhere, but you know, Rune Factory is super anime, so I think that's still relevant. But uh, anyway, um, so we're at the middle of the season. Um, and it's going all right, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, uh. Um, again, I'm still enjoying the shows that I'm watching, but you know, maybe not the strongest of seasons, but you know, we'll get Look, into that. I'm just, I'm just telling our lovely listeners out there. The reason why we are allowing ourselves to go on these tangents is because if we just talk shop this podcast, this thing's going to be over in like 45 minutes. So. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure I'll find plenty to say when I explain the elaborate uh, ep- series of episodes in Kakagurui, But uh, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm just saying, like anyway, the best thing we watched in the past. The best thing we watched in the past week was like the extra episode of a show from last year. Yeah, which we will shoehorn into this podcast somehow. 
Which show did I miss that? I'm glad you asked, Jill. So it turns out that uh, uh, Double Decker is releasing a trio of extra episodes uh, after oh, it aired, okay. and uh, we watched the first of those uh, last night. Uh, Eero, tell me your thoughts on it. Man, Double Decker is real good. Indeed, that show's very funny. Yeah, yeah, it's everyone in the show is a total fucking asshole. Yeah, everybody is a dirtbag. Everybody is literally the worst. And I feel like to to make this into an actual relevant podcast discussion, I feel like you know I I haven't you know I, I'm not watching Kaguya-sama, so you know maybe I don't fucking know. But like I feel like this season has uh, been kind of weak on the comedy side of things. I feel like. You know, oh, there's not... definitely is top tier comedy. So, uh, but aside from that, aside from that, everything else has been trash. Yes, I'll take your word for it. But like, I feel like in that specific realm of like people being awful to each other, comedy, I feel like we've been lacking. And here comes fucking double decker riding in on its white horse, being like, "Don't worry, driving riding in with its cop car, sirens yeah, blazing." Like, exactly. It's like, "Don't worry, look at all these fucking." Awful people talk about their their lives and and, and how, how fucking, each of them got hired on the seven O police force and how how shitty our boss is just how what kind of abominable human being he is but also still undeniably funny and uh, I don't know yeah just you know having having not watched that show in like a couple months yeah it was a real refreshing like it was a real breath of fresh air just like oh man I totally forgot. That anime <laughs> that could be Decker, good. A double decker is actually hilarious. Yes, that did, double decker um, should have made her top ten of twenty eighteen. Did they put all three episodes out at once, or just one out? No, right now? just the one. I think it's now. just one. Yeah. Okay. And like, uh, is it like we'll go into it, packing yeah. them in the Blu rays or something, or I think that's something along those something lines. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, we won't go into it too much, but basically, it's just like. It's an episode that recognizes, oh, good, we're, we're, we're releasing standalone OVAs. What this means is that we can now have an, an, an entire episode solely devoted to the characters, like, getting drunk and shit-talking each other. And <laughs> it works marvelously. No big plot they have to work with or no, anything. No, none at yeah. all. Okay. And it works out amazingly. All right. I, 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 I do – that is one of the shows I regret missing from last year. So it sounds pretty good. It's a very particular but, uh, type of comedy that you don't see too often. I feel like, uh, especially in anime. Uh, even if, even if there's a fair amount of anime where the, the joke is everyone's jerks to each other, like the very specific way, uh, Double Decker pulls it off. Right. He's yeah. All right. So at least one, at least one bright spot this week, right? I don't want to undersell. There, there's some good stuff in here. So we'll, we'll, let's get into that. Um, I guess somewhere in there we missed introducing everybody. So I'm Jill. And we also have <laughs> Iro and G. If you haven't figured that out by now. Yeah. Hi. So, so hi, guys. Now that we're 10, Where are we dropping, boys? <laughs> Shit, that. That bit doesn't work anymore. God damn no, it. We, we no. lost our chance. Yeah. All right. So, well, I'm sure we'll have more Battle Royale j- jokes uh, next episode, but um, let's get into the shows. So um, let's start with Mob Psycho 100 Season 2. And be- before we get into this, these episodes, I did catch up since last episode. So oh, I'm up to date. Okay, good. And good. 
I will say just overall episodes one through four. I really like the direction they're going with Mob's character and his development. Also, I think there's too much Reagan. Mm, I don't know if that's you guys a take. agree with that. That's a take. Or <laughs> I, I think I, Very... it's not that I don't like Reagan. I do like him as a character, and I think he should be playing an important role in the show. But I feel like he's kind of hijacked the show up until at least up until episode five, six, and I guess we'll we'll, we'll get into six, where I think that'll maybe will be more a more interesting discussion. But um, anyway. Uh, Episode five had us wrapping up the story with, uh, I can't remember the girl's name now. The bad psychic. Who gives a yes. fuck? He's fighting the bad psychic, and there's a really cool fight at the end. Yo, um, that fucking fight. That episode, shit. episode is a visual triumph. Yeah, it's, as I've been telling these guys all fucking week, like, anime... TV anime rarely fucking kicks it off the way this episode does. Like, yeah, to this level, you know, I, I feel like what we got, the, the, the like, the, the just the, the fucking, just nonstop ten minutes of just amazing animation we got in this episode. Some, some TV anime will be lucky to have ten minutes of footage that looks that good across their entire twenty-six episode run, and. Bones is just fucking out here, like, fucking whatever. This is episode five. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we'll just we'll just kick it up a notch, why don't we? You know? Uh. You know, this episode is very much, like, fucking... This, this episode is very much, like, Goku saying, like, this is called a Super Saiyan. But... <laughs> You'll you'll get a kick out of this. this I mean, Mob, Super Mob, does, Mob does basically hit his Super Saiyan mode here, right? Like, is, yeah, is that... yeah, totally. <laughs> Question mark percent. Yeah, qu- yeah. Like I asked, who would win in a fight, uh, Goku with Ultra Instinct or you know Question mark percent Mob? I don't know, but it's, uh... it's a tough, it's a tough choice. I mean, <laughs> a, a Mob gets real anime eyes when he powers up. So, yeah, that's you know, terrifying. Like... Yeah, he, <laughs> he loses the One Punch Man look and uh, gets actual real anime Becomes eyes. Becomes a real anime character. Yeah. It's terrifying, terrifyingly powerful, but terrifying nonetheless. <laughs> so, uh... um, yeah, the, I mean, it's kind of hard to say a whole lot about that part of it because it's it's a visual thing. So, um, you know, if well, you I think that we, it, then we can focus on, um, I think that also, you know, despite the visual spectacle that that episode has some pretty decent storytelling too. like, you know, it, look, the cliche of like, you would never become a bad person because your friends are always here for you is like, you know, the oldest trick in the book. But I feel like that's also kind of, that kind of gets to the heart of like, Mob Psycho 100, and it's kind of like explicitly like anti like misanthrope, you know, uh, tone. I guess you know. I, I think it matches what they're doing with Mob's character pretty well in this instance as well. Like, yeah, you know, he's he's having this internal struggle of you know trying to figure out how to be. I guess I guess if you want to sum it up, more selfish because he needs to be. Because yeah. but how do you balance that with being 
when you when you have the type of powers he have, how do you balance that without turning into you know whatever the bad guy's name is in the in this one? I forget his name. So the you know that's kind of the that's kind of always been the conflict in Mob Psycho, but like but but Mob has always been very quick to just defer back to you know well I'd rather just not do anything at all. Whereas now he's kind of pushing more into being more proactive. Yeah, a bit. yeah. And I, I think the the way they set that up in this episode is, was pretty good. Um, you know, culminating in the the big visual spectacle, which was just like a you know a great way to drive it home. So it was, it was a really strong episode overall, for sure. Yeah, and I'd even go as far to say that character development helps perfectly set up uh, episode six. Yeah, agree. Yeah. So uh, I I was saying that there was too much Reagan, and yeah, I do we have the Reagan episode. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I do have to wonder if that well, because there's two theories you could take. I think on why there's too much Reagan. One, the inter- the internet loves Reagan. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think that's kind of it. But uh, but I do have to wonder if they were setting up for this kind of turn of events in episode six, where we've been kind of overdosed with Reagan, and we kind of. Me personally, anyway, I kind of you kind of understood where why Mob was finally just going to snap here and be like, "Look, dude, you can't keep doing this to me." And it's also kind of a reminder that while everybody quote unquote loves Reagan, he has been sort of uh, emotionally manipulating a child for his own benefit over the past. Uh, He's a dirtbag, like thirty episodes, or whatever. But so, kind of seeing him at least temporarily, kind of get pulled back down to earth here and kind of get a reality check was nice. Although I don't know if that's ultimately the decision, the, the direction they're going um, because he ends up becoming more popular than ever. Yes. Uh, but also I think, I think this episode actually does some really smart stuff with Reagan's character in the sense that like it, I feel like this episode actually does a lot of really excellent, like I wouldn't say subtle, but like surprisingly understated character work with Reagan uh, as a result of kind of his falling out with, or, you know, mobs falling out with him, you know, at the beginning of the episode, you know, there's, there's this element of like, you know, initially like, you know, the joke is that Reagan's like, "Eh, I'm fine. I can be by myself. I don't need mob. He'll come crying back to me eventually. And like, you know, he tries to pull, you know, he tries to pull like his emotionally manipulative tricks on a uh, dimple and like, you know, tr- like this, you know, kind of pseudo stalking mob to see like, okay, he's got to break eventually. Right. And it's like, actually, no mobs like totally fine. He's doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And like even dimple is just like, yeah. Okay, man. Like when, when dimple is, when dimples taking the high road, you know, yeah, it's like a turn. <laughs> Right, like when Dimple of all people is like, yeah, okay, if you say so, dude. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh. and then I think it culminates in like, you know, like, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the comedic trick of like, haha, look at actually how pathetic this dude's life really is, like behind the scenes is like not a particularly new thing. Like, I think we all predicted, as, you know, the minute we realized what the premise of this episode was that like, Oh, we're going to see, like, you know, we're going to see, like, Reagan's apartment. We're going to see, like, the fucking, like, shitty, awful life he has, like, outside of the, uh, you know, the the agency. And we do see that stuff. But I think there's still some, like, pretty good, like, like pretty good character stuff at play. And the, the one I actually really want to uh, shout out is uh, 
is kind of the parallels of the uh, you know the the it's my birthday reveal essentially. Like mm-hmm, at the beginning right. of the episode, when Mob's like hanging out with like the two clubs, you know that share that room, right? And like when that one, you know, when that one girl's like, "Oh, hey, it's such and such's birthday," and then like the other dude from like the the physical improvement club is like, "Actually, it was my birthday last week." It's like. And the way now that we de- definitely have to celebrate, right? Right. When the friends are like, "Oh shit, we should like go do something," it feels very natural. It feels like the thing I would do in high school, like, and like right. it's it's the feeling of like these people aren't necessarily even the closest of friends, but like they are friendly enough with each other. Like in the same way that like when I was in high school, if a friend of a friend of a friend said it was their birthday, I would still come along. And be like, yeah, we we should do something, you know? Like you it's know, like, whatever. it's like a support. It's a support network. Like yeah, have yeah, exactly. Friends, we have friends, and yeah, yeah. And it's like it's it's like this really like natural feeling, like good nature thing. And then later in the episode, when Reagan's like, "Actually, it's my birthday," and then all those people at the bar are like, "Oh, well, uh, happy birthday, man." Anyways, let's go back to talking about my issues. It's like it feels very like like that's how your coworkers like treat. Like that's the, the right. that's, that's what your coworkers do when you tell them it's your birthday. If that makes sense, you know that's like. People who don't actually really care, people who will hear it's your birthday, <laughs> wish you happy birthday, right. and then like completely forget in like the next ten seconds. And right. that parallel, I think, actually, I, th- I think it's a really fantastic p- bit of writing in a show that already has like some really solid uh, character work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, yeah, I, I did like the direction they were going with Reagan to the point where I kind of wished he they he split with Mob and he found his own path to being successful, and then we just never saw him again. I feel like I would have been happy with that. <laughs> I, and, I mean, and I'm a bit, and, and I understand that's not going to happen, but I I feel like I just, I just really hope that this whole arc doesn't come back around to going back to the status quo. I bet you uh, will. And it probably will. And that kind of is disappointing. I mean, and, and my maybe, hope- maybe, maybe by status quo, I, I mean, just, you know, mob doing whatever Reagan tells him to do. And I don't, I maybe, maybe that specifically won't happen, but I'm pretty sure mob's going to end up working with him again or something. I don't know, but I mean, yes, I think they will return to that status quo, but I do think, and I do hope that, Mob Mob Psycho is written well enough that I can see them, you know, returning to a sort of status quo where it is Mob working with Reagan again. But because of who of how Mob has developed as a person over the course of this show, like I I don't think it will, you know, like I I I, I at least want to believe that if they do return to that status quo, it will at least re- result in a new one where Mob is at least on like slightly more even, you know level with Reagan, you know? Yeah. Right. Like closer to partners than just being his underling. Right. Yeah, so I that that's all I really ask is I hope that this ends up with actual progress being made and not just like because because I mean I, I have a feeling with Reagan's current success that's all gonna fall out from under him eventually anyway. Oh totally. Yes. I feel like that's yeah. exactly <laughs> what we're setting up. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I yeah. I just hope some there's some kind of progress made, and and I th- I think you're right. Maybe I should give them a little more benefit of the doubt, given how well they've been developing Mob this season, anyway. So, I guess we'll have to see. But uh, indeed, 
Show's good overall, though. As much as it might sound like I'm trying to complain or something, I th- I still think it's one of the best shows this season for sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's move along. I did not have time to catch up with Dororo, so you guys are kind of gonna have to fill me in. What's the, what's the latest on uh, on that one? It looks like a it, from the titles, it looks like there was a two part two parter here. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, don't fuck around. They adapted some stuff, so like se- the sequence of events is different from the manga because the story this is adapting was originally in like Kekmore's backstory before he meets Dororo. But uh, now it just happens during the show uh, where they come across a uh, like makeshift orphanage of other children who are missing limbs and whatnot being taken care of by uh, a nice young woman named Mio. And they decide that Hyakumaru should rest here as he recovers from uh, regaining his his hearing. Because now he's having sensory overload and all that. And uh, being the type of show it is, and they introduce a nice young woman. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, not only a nice young woman, but I mean, let's we might as well just get to the core of it. A nice young woman who is uh, working as a prostitute for... Um, Two like two two camps that opposing are like military camps. Two opposing military camps, you know, to you know, hopefully earn enough money so that one day she can take the kids and like, you know, uh, get out of here and get like out of know, the war zone. Yeah, yeah, and like start a farm, you know, away from the war. And uh, this being a story about Sengoku era Japan, written by Osamu Tezuka, <laughs> uh, it it goes some places. Um, you know, I mean, you you can probably tell the exact arc of this plot line just yes, from us describing it, but uh, and I think it kind of speaks to you know the strength of a show that like I think for the most part this arc works. I think I think that you know it's I wouldn't call it clumsy, but you know it it maybe stumbles in a couple places just because like you know you have to do some of the old cliches like you know. You know, they're like, oh, don't look at me. My body is tainted or like, they, you know. I feel like as they go further into it, though, they don't really harp on that too much. Like, no, it's no, pre- they it's, totally pre- it's presented more as it's presented more as this is what she has to do to survive in this hellish. Yes, yes, totally. They, they never situation. Right. They never ever portray it as a negative thing. They portray it as like she is doing exactly what she needs to do to survive in an an extremely tumultuous and and violent time period, you know, and like, you know, like, you know, I'm not even saying, I'm not even complaining about that. I think it's more just the stuff like, I feel like, I feel like maybe because this story was written so many years ago, like right. airing in 2019, it's like it because is, you it is very well trodden ground at this point. Right, you can predict the exact arc of the narrative, like from the beginning to the end. That like it's still it's still done very effectively. Like it's still done. Uh, it's executed very well. Um, I think it's just that like because Dororo as a whole is kind of a somewhat predictable show because of yeah. you know the nature of its story. Like within the first five minutes of this two-parter, you know how the two-parter is going to end. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But uh, 
I'd still say it's done. It's it's done. I I do like the way it was done, and you know, uh, watching Hakimaru just fucking go ape shit on a bunch of shit right. samurai is super satisfying. <laughs> After uh, they murder a bunch of children on yeah, screen, yeah, Hakimaru rips those motherfuckers up. Uh, they were coming. Totally, totally, and I think actually the conversation, I think that I actually wanted to have on this podcast about this these episodes that we kind of were talking about is i feel like in general you know hyakimaru had or not hyakimaru uh dororo the show probably because it was written by tezuka takes a very dim view of the time period and samurai and this isn't necessarily unique to tezuka but i think it is unique to the time period in which he created this work because I mean, if anybody watches samurai anime in, like, 2019, they are generally portrayed positively, I'd say. Like, obviously, you still you could still have your arc about the bad, mean samurai, but at the end of the day, the good, yeah, honorable they're, they're samurai... Right. They're still honorable and yeah, all that. The day. But I think people tend to forget that, like, basically from the 60s until, like, the late 80s, most anime actually portrayed samurai as pretty fucking shitty. Like, you know, you look at stuff like this, and like, actually, honestly, any 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 anime work or manga that takes place in like the Warring er- Warring States period or the Sengoku era, and like, they're much more frank in their depiction of samurai, and they're much more willing to depict samurai as essentially just thugs who are given, you know permission to walk around with swords and you know carry out their own twisted sense of justice and i wonder how much of this is like i wonder how much of this is like because these pieces were written by people born in post-war japan like yeah like people who saw like how dangerous like you know militant ideology and bushido and all those stuff the ways those things can get twisted into you know violent nationalistic movements and i wonder so i guess i wonder if like you know that's kind of where a lot of that finds its origins right. and i guess the only reason why i really think about that is because dororo is an anime airing in 2019 that is still willing to be like actually no fuck the samurai like <laughs> they fucking suck yeah I mean, as far as far as I've seen, it tracks with how the original manga is, where uh, samurai are not, are not good dudes, right? Huh? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting uh, perspective. I wonder how much of that is just like intentionally part of the, I don't know, show's message, or is that just a, a, a byproduct of you know an author that came from that time period? But I mean, Tezuka was probably pre-anti-war. If you look at his right, his uh, output. I mean, I feel like fucking everybody bored in that time period was pretty anti-war. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm Naki, saying? You know, Tezuka. Like, turns out that when you see that shit firsthand, you know, you uh, <laughs> you're not so jazzed on it in the way that maybe guys yeah. like Shinzo Abe are. So yeah, but yeah, and uh, now like we are. Six episodes in, and Hyakumaru has only just regained his voice. Right, yes, that happens at the end of the sixth episode, so... Oh, so he can can finally talk now. Okay. 
Well, he's mostly just been screaming. Uh, yeah, yeah. The time we've seen, but. Uh, so this yeah, is a kind of more, uh, <laughs> I guess, realistic take of what would happen if you just randomly <laughs> were able to talk again uh, after not being able to your entire life. I, but, I am uh, very curious okay. how that goes. So, yeah, it sounds like it's still taking a much more serious uh, take on the story, then, huh? Yeah, That's yeah. The, not, not that original. Exactly. Not that the original wasn't serious, but there is an element of goofiness. Well, I think uh, some, of that's, some of that is Tezuka's art style, right? Because like, yeah, but also just the sensibility of. Sure. You know. I guess it's just basically what you told me. It's like everything that happens to Mio and the orphanage happens in the manga. Like it's still pretty fucked up, regardless of you know. Yeah, but everyone's just round and Disney like. Uh, right. I guess everybody, yes, looks like you know, yeah, and Osamu Tezuka character, I guess, uh, kind of right. gives it a different vibe, so to speak. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, I guess the question is, is it good? I'm yeah. enjoying it. Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm still having a lot of fun with that show. I want to I want to see uh, what they do with uh, the rest of it, I guess. Because no version of the story has ever been quite the same. Yeah. I mean, that basically ended up being the show I wanted to watch, but I just have not had time past the first episode with all the other things yeah. I'm watching. I gotta watch shows about cats, man, and crazy gambling high school girls. So. <laughs> but uh, okay, but what anyway. about shows about planes? Yeah, so let, there's the segue. Uh, let's 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 move along to the magnificent Kotobuki. Uh, has anything yeah. uh, interested ha- interesting happened since uh, last time? So I feel like this portion will will be pretty short because. Or did you watch it? <laughs> yes, we watched it. B, watched I'm it? having some trouble remembering exactly what these two episodes okay, were. There was the episode but... about where they had to go infiltrate the like pirate stronghold to get oh, back to yeah, the right yeah, yeah. Okay, get the paint oh, right. right inf- the, infiltrating it in the flying hostess club. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, yes. And, and then, then the following episode was uh, the politician turned ace pilot, or ace pilot turned politician. Right. Okay. Okay, I remember now. Okay. Um. I think at this point it's like they're fine. Like this episode, the the show is just kind of you know maintaining course. Like, um, the pacing of that show is yeah, very okay. odd. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. It feels, yes. Everything that's not the plane stuff where they're flying around shooting at each other for like a solid five minutes. Everything on the ground, all the conversation happening, it feels like you're watching something at one point five speed. Yeah, that's like a really good description for it. Like everybody, like so it's actually fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very okay. fast. Like I'd almost say too fast paced. And I'm the kind of person who loves it when a show is fast paced. But right, like, but like I have trouble keeping up with what's being yeah. said like, because they're all just speaking so fast and right. saying and, their anime and, and not jokes. Only, not only are they speaking fast, but they are speaking. They are responding to each other very quickly. Like there's something about the specific timing of this show like you know we, we've talked about timing a couple of times you know i mean usually in like the the scope of talking about like triggers god tier comedic timing but like timing in general is a super important thing in animation you know like like do you have a beat between conversations do you have a beat between lines like do you have a beat before a character does an action and the thing that kotobuki does is and i don't know if it's an if it's an aspect of because it's animated in 3d and like they didn't like think about this or something but like 
there are no rest beats between conversations. Like right. a person talks, that like person A talks, that person B responds immediately. And then person like, C starts talking, and then person D says something else also, and then right. then back to person A who's talking about the other thing, and person B reacts to that, then person C is starts talking about their thing. Yeah, and then we yeah. cut over and person G is talking to person F talking about whatever, and then we cut over to person A talking about pancakes. <laughs> and then person B is yeah. like, oh, I'll check out my stuffed animal, I'm gonna punch the stuffed animal, but oh no, the actual that stuffed animal is from the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and then there's offhand mention. Oh, right, well, you know the ocean doesn't exist anymore in this world, and it's it's like I think like well, slow down a bit here, right? I think Let it's me like breathe. Not, not only are they talking a lot and they are talking quickly, but they're also dropping fairly relevant information like extremely quickly and in in an almost Tomino esque manner. Like I feel like even <laughs> Tomino has more restraint than that in terms of like the way conversations are paced, like. Like the, the way I would put it is it feels like the way it's timed is like it almost feels like I don't know, like amateurish stage play acting in the sense that like when character A says something, character B already knows what they're going to say, right? Like character B already knows their line. So right. that's start, a good way to put it. So they start they they've basically already preloaded their line and they say it basically at the the moment that like character A finishes their line character B follows up with their line. Like, there's no pause, there's no, like, in-between to, like, right. you know, in, in a real conversation, of, you need, like, even if it goes fast, you need, you're considering your response on some subconscious level. Yeah, totally. And I think that Kotobuki is not doing that, which is kind of lending to this, like, very weirdly, weirdly frantic pace that almost oh. feels feverish in a way. Yeah, because like listening to the descriptions of the show, I would have thought it would have been the opposite where like the non-plain stuff would be like the, you know, slice of life anime, you know, just you know, I mean, talking it around is, it is pancakes stuff. But like, to the point where it's like too slow. But I guess you guys are it's saying you're doing it in double time. Right. Like it is the slice of life stuff, but it is happening at, like as Eero said, 1.5x speed or something, you know, like. Right. Oh, yeah, like that, that's you know, weird. That's real like weird. They, they do their slice of life bit in like 45 seconds. I mean, it's, if they slowed uh, it down, though, would you be complaining that it's too slow because it's just, you know... Maybe. Boring? I mean, probably. Yeah. Like, it's, probably. Not, it's, it's not like the slice of life bits are that good. So. <laughs> right. I mean, let's just cut to the pancakes and then get back in the plane. I mean... Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Like, the plane parts, it's like... And I wonder how much of this is also, like, them being like, well, we need to make more time for the planes. Like... Right, because let's rush through the stuff we don't care about to get to the to planes. To get to the planes, because the plane parts are still quite good, or quite good in the way Kotobuki is, which is quite good in their like weirdly very realistic dogfights, which I continue to appreciate, but uh, the, the, just the combination of, of all the show's various facets continue to baffle me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're still yep. watching it, though. Oh, yeah, that's totally true. Made it this far. <laughs> indeed, indeed. That's I suppose it's true. So alright. Well we'll check back in on that next time then. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> all right, let's move along to Kakagurui Double Cross. Alright, tell me uh, tell me more. Uh, who is the connected woman? Who is the Hollywood star? So you know, it's nice that this is conveniently panned out where these two episode blocks are like exactly the specific battle every week, you know, in between episodes. So like it, it neatly wraps up like the beginning and end of each fight. 
So for this for this battle, we have the return of the uh, two faced idol girl who literally has stars in her eyes. Right. Who, uh, uh, I remember she, that. Yeah, she she hates being an idol, but she is very ambitious and will do whatever it takes to realize her true dream of being a Hollywood actress. Because that'll she, oh, okay. she build Gunpla and participate in Gunpla battle to become the top <laughs> idol. So anyway, uh, so she's one of the characters that Yumiko beat in season one. And then yeah. for some reason, they were immediately friends after and formed the uh, unfortunately named idol duo Dreaming Creaming Sisters. Um, hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> so Tell me that, more. That is the name that they say it in English, so it's not a mistranslation. Um, okay. <laughs> So, uh, you know, now that we're in our little tournament arc here, uh, the idol girl is actually doing quite well. And uh, she wants to get the band back together with Yumiko so they can take some more fools out together. And uh, before they can do that, though, it's revealed that. um, okay, how can I explain this? (laughs) (laughs) So so they they dumped like 12 new characters in us on us in season two and we haven't really met all of them but there's been this one girl who's been just like randomly walk we've seen walking around who has like long messy hair and like one of those like what do you call the masks when when people are sick that they wear like sick mask yeah a sick mask if you will so like you can't really see her face Uh, and uh so she's been she's been wandering around the school this whole time and we've seen her but we don't know her name we don't know who she is or anything and so uh just as idol girl is ready to make her move and let so towards first place it's the this girl reveals that she's actually uh, one of the most famous actresses in Hollywood, and the Gasp. idol girl's famous personal, uh, Gasp. her personal favorite actress. Oh man, and, uh, the connected woman indeed! And she challenges her to a uh, acting off. <laughs> All right. So, okay. so instead of gambling, they have a straight up like they, it goes. It cuts to like a like the show format changes. Downstage. To, to um, become like a Japanese game show, like a wacky Japanese, oh Japanese game oh show. Oh man! Like, like right down to the like narrator throwing a commercial in the middle. Does it have like, picture in picture of people reacting? No, they didn't do that. Oh, but, come on! Uh, but they did have, but they did have, they did have in each episode uh, for the bump. The, the announcer saying, you know, we'll be back after a word from, you know, our sponsors or whatever. It's I think like, they did that for the Idol episode in season one. Yeah, well. it, it's, it's pretty similar. I think it was pretty similar to what they did there. So um, so they play a series of games to test their acting ability against each other. They still call it gambling, even though at this point it has literally nothing to do with gambling. <laughs> sure. uh, <laughs> but the, the best the best contest of all was in um, in this last week's episode, in episode six. They play a game called Death Macaroon. All right. Fucking. Um, okay. <laughs> in which each contestant is given a series of three macaroons. One of them has a habanero pepper hidden in it. <laughs> okay. And so so the goal isn't to like, like you'd, you'd think it'd be like a Russian roulette thing, right? Where you have right. to like. Like the sushi no. places around here sell like a Russian roulette roll or whatever. Yeah, no, no, the, that's, that's not, yeah. that's not, what, th- that would be too simple. For the for for Kakagurui. Also, the Habanero also poison. No, no, that would also be too simple because we already did the poison girl. <laughs> okay, we you're right, you're right. The so, Habanero gotta, was, like covered in razor blades. They gotta no. mix it up, man. Yeah. So so this is an acting contest. So what's uh, supposed to happen uh, is uh, they have to eat all three macaroons 
and then the other person has to guess which one is what had the habanero. So they have to Got act it. like there's no habanero pepper in it. Oh shit! Or okay, pretend that the one that didn't have it was has the one it. that right. had it. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's... that's that's the level of mind games the show <laughs> operates is. with. Is it like okay? I I don't want to make a guess here, but is it like? The two contestants approach it in the totally opposite ways, where one like pretends that all three of them have a habanero in it, while the other one pretends none of them has a habanero in okay. it, as so like a proof of like you're on the right track. You're on the right track. Oh man! All right. So, so, so the Hollywood actress, she just eats them all with a clean face. No way to tell. Yeah. Like, Hell like, yeah. No, you have no way stone of knowing. Uh, totally stone faced the whole time. The idol girl eats the first one and just starts like sweating profusely just like looks like she's like it's very clear that this is the one that's the habanero pepper that's just what she wants me to think man and then then the rest of them she just eats like straight up with no problem Hmm, and so so oh So, so, so you think, so of course, everyone in the audience is like, oh, well, obviously she blew it. That's the first one. And of course, us as the audience were like, okay, she's obviously faking that one, right? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Was it a double bluff? <laughs> so, so the, I don't even know if I can explain this correctly because I'm not sure my brain even understands it. Oh, man, it. please do. Oh, I no. want to try to comprehend this. <laughs> so, so the, so the, the act the the Hollywood actress totally sees through the entire thing, and she's like, "Okay, so not only were you faking it on the first one, but you knew that I knew <laughs> that you'd be faking it because you're not a good enough actress, and it, the habanero, and it had to be like a, a reflex, and I would need to be able to tell the difference between a reflex and acting. So <laughs> she called up the idol girl for what she really did. She broke her own finger under the table." What? So that she would, she would have a natural like, so you'd have like real tears and like a real reaction that she was fighting off. Uh, So fucking Jotaro stops his own heart with Star Platinum. (laughs) Oh man! All right. And so, but but still, the the Hollywood actress was so good at at detecting real acting versus a reflex that she knew that this that was a that that was a uh, that is exactly what happened and calls her out. Fuck, dude! Holy shit! <laughs> that, that's the so I don't even remember what happens after that, to be honest. Um, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> some somehow the the idol girl wins like the next competition, but it doesn't matter. I don't really know who won anyway because the the actress woman still won the first two. They don't really explain, and nobody really cares. Um, <laughs> but, <Okay>. but <laughs> but Death Macaroon was was pretty great. That was the highlight of the yeah uh, that uh. So if I had to explain, you know, the, the, the level that this show is operating on, that is uh, that is how Kakagurui works, and that's why I love it. Four-dimensional chess. Yes, God that's damn. the real. All right. Yeah. Four-dimensional death macaroon. Uh, I had some flashbacks I mean, to season I, I, one with the uh, – So, like, the first episode of Death Parade Season 2 is going to be death macaroon, right? <laughs> I did. Th- I did uh, think Death Parade and their various death games that would that would have fit like right in with a uh, with Death Billiards or Death Street Fighter or whatever the other ones they, <laughs> they played in Death Parade. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that show's great. It sounds like something. 
they're, they're still they're still also still hinting that the uh, the cool butler girl is actually the real bad guy. They, they they drop some like real vague hints. Like they do the thing where like at the end of every episode, they just kind of like show her kind over. Yeah. Show her at the end for no reason, just doing her butler duties and then like kind of like looking at the camera at the end. Like she's definitely up to something, but like, <laughs> all right, you know, we don't know, we don't know what yet because she's not actually participating in any of the games, but she's probably really pulling the strings behind it all or something. I don't know. Sure, that tracks. The butler did it. Yep. Yeah. So, anyway, let's anyway. move along. How much to... gambling is there in my roommate as a cat? Not much, but uh, no. I did learn. <laughs> I did Does learn a, a neat trick. No, but there, I I did le- learn a neat trick about cats eating. If your cat is getting overweight, uh, you take a plastic like soda bottle or something. You put like half a cup of cat food in there. You cut a hole in the side of the bottle that's a, just big enough for like one piece of cat food to come out, and then you throw it at the cat and have him roll it around and get the and try to get the food out. And that way, you know, you're measuring the portions and he gets his exercise and, you know, you can help get your cat lose weight. So there you go. Is that a real yeah, thing? Sure. That makes sense. I have heard of similar tricks like that. Like, uh, I think another variation of that is like, is like you put like some large object in the middle of the cat's like food bowl. So it has to like work around it. But, uh, sure. You know, sure. I mean, I feel like theoretically, couldn't you just like measure out the portions beforehand and then yeah, put that the, in the bowl. This dude is like, can't, can barely take care of himself. So yeah, right, no, that's, that's understandable. Yeah. So he, 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 when he, when he meets up with the cute girl from the pet store, she teaches him how to do this to, uh, you know, help his cat stay healthy. I feel like that's even uh, more work, man. But then they yeah. just like being like, all right, that's half a cup. That's all you get. Stop you whining do it, cat. You do it to impress the cute girl at the pet store. Yeah, I guess that's a good motivation. Yeah, I think that may be more where they're going. Well, actually, I think the real ship might here we might be with his with her little brother who's like <laughs> supposed uh, to be in eleventh grade, but also looks like a thirty year old man. Uh, uh, sure, okay, but uh, is he two meters tall and buff? <laughs> yes, um, he's a, uh, he, he's like, he looks like he looks kind of like. Uh, he he'd be a character from uh, from a uh, Nozaki, where everybody is like six feet tall and kind of uh, well built. Oh, okay. But sure. uh, anyway, um, so that aside, uh, they took a bit of a more. <laughs> we finally got so the the cat who's named Haru. We got a bit more of her tragic backstory because we kept seeing flash oh, tragic cat backstory. We oh, kept seeing flash, we kept seeing like little glimpses of flashbacks of her finding like her dead little brother. Like, Uh, so, you know, dead kittens are always an easy, uh, you know, shortcut to emotional gut. Yeah, that's that's certainly a way to go for it. So, um, you know, we get a little bit of her backstory where she, she, uh, her, her and her siblings get abandoned and they meet up with these cool older cats, including a cool lady tiger cat named Tora and this like battle. As you do. Battle hardened black cat named Kuru who has like a scar over his eye from fighting birds. Um, and uh, they, right, they, show, they show him the ways of the streets 
And uh, apparently, I did not realize birds swooping down and killing cats was a thing, but that's apparently their number one but danger. Birds are large enough, right? Like, well, yeah, it's, uh, it depends on the type of bird, but yes, like yeah. So, so um, you know, they they have the moment where the older cats have to sacrifice themselves for the kids to get away. And oh man, the, the the you know the 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 main girl cat has to like you know leave her siblings behind for a bit to like go find food and like one of them gets killed by the birds and it's like super the fuck is up with these birds yeah yeah, I, yeah that's what i'm saying like okay I, I can buy that's a like i can buy that happening occasionally but i didn't know that was like a like common thing i mean so but, as somebody who has put a weirdly like a, a weird amount of time researching this my understanding is that like a I don't know about Japan, but I know especially here in America, the reason why they actually don't advise you to let your cats out that often is like because depending on the area of America you live in, like hawks and falcons might be native to your area, right. and like those, those are birds. Don't fuck around. Those birds don't fuck around, and they are more than a, more than a match for your average house cat. So like, yeah, I guess you know, I guess I never lived in an area that had large dangerous I mean, birds. Those things can swoop, but, like if those things can swoop down and pick up a rabbit in their talons, yeah, they can do like, it with a cat. Yeah, definitely, the only, definitely. The only uh, the only time I remember our cats when we had outdoor cats interacting with birds were like little like robins and sparrows flying around, and they were like batting yeah. at. Them. But yeah, I, I guess if it were a bigger. I mean, that's how animals work, right? If you're bigger, you win. We also get coyotes uh, around here, so. Right, right, yes. At least here in California, that's the other thing. You know, you have fucking coyotes and fucking mountain lions and yeah. all sorts of fucking shit are up in the woods, up in the hills in California. So, you know, PSA, you know, look, I'm not one of those guys who's like, if you have an outdoor cat, you're you are literally murdering your cat, but you know, just be safe about it. You know, be 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 wise about when you let your cat out. If you're the kind of person who does, All right? You know, More than I, once, I've looked directly out the window and seen a coyote standing right outside. Yeah, so you know, just just be you know, be be smart about it. I, I don't know how that I don't know how that is in Japan. I don't know. They just have a real fucking like bird of prey problem <laughs> or something, but. Yeah, like, like what kind of birds are these? Are they like crows or like hawks? I, I guess like, I don't. I don't know what birds. I don't know birds. It was like a black bird thing that flew down and killed them. I don't know. But what uh, kind of bird is like <laughs> devil birds? Things it happens, but like birds tend to go after easier prey, especially in urban areas. You know, like if you're a crow or a raven, like what are you gonna do? You're gonna pick up the breadcrumbs that the old lady's thrown around, or are you gonna fight a cat? Like. <laughs> Like, well, there's so like, many kittens. easier sources of food for a bird that lives in the city right. than a cat. Like, like the, but, the kittens I get, but like a full-grown, like battle-hardened cat, like the Kuro guy, I would imagine you'd rather not fight him if you didn't have to. Yeah, yeah, it's like, but uh, yeah, you know, look, I get it. It's for it's for drama. It's for drama. Yeah, I, I understand. They have to have something. Just uh, these fucking murderous birds with a vendetta against yeah. these street cats, apparently. But yeah, this led to a whole big, like, deeper conversation about, you know, what is, what is your fate as a cat? Like, you know, is it good to, and how it's good to end up with a, with a, with a kind human and a family and, you know, they really try to tug at the heartstrings and, eh. again, as I've always said with the show, it's a little on the nose, but it kind of works. I, 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 it's been growing on me. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, something that is kind of positive and, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's kind of a healing type of show thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. 
but uh and they actually had so they had a couple good jokes too like uh the 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 pet store girl has like this like old like long-haired like cat and he acts like all tough when the the other cat comes over oh that was the other thing the the main so the, the the flashback gets triggered because it just so happens that the um the pet store girl adopted one of Haru's little siblings so they she was reunited with one of her little siblings because sure. they all got split apart but uh she also has this old grizzled cat and he's like you know don't worry I'll protect you and he goes up to uh <laughs> he goes up to the 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 giant little brother cuz the other cats are scared of him cuz he's huge and he just starts like how how would i put it uh <laughs> he just starts playing. No, he just starts playing with him, like, and he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. And like, and like, there's like hearts flying off of him and stuff like yeah, that. Like, that's how he's going to protect protect them, and it's a pretty yeah. good joke. That's but that, uh, that's that that works. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's it's, it's an it's a, it's an enjoyable show. It's pretty sweet and kind of funny and low low key. So I'm enjoying it. Sure, sure. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> let's talk about the Promise Neverland. Yeah. Kind of, maybe maybe this show should be subtitled Double Cross. Um <laughs> there's there's a lot like we talked about how you have all the different kind of sides and factions and like motivations and stuff going on here and we've just kind of added like a couple more I think in these episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh it gets I think, complicated. Uh, yeah, like I think as I was I was talking about this earlier earlier in the day was that I think the thing with stories like the promised Neverland stories that are about secrets and conspiracies is that once that secret becomes the status quo, keeping that secret is no longer interesting. Like right. narratively in a, in a story secrets exist to be revealed and secrets exist to be, and once revealed, those secrets exist to be, you know, twisted and and changed and altered, and 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 uh, what the what the various players in the story have to do in response to that is the more interesting aspect of the story. And I think that's what kind of what the early parts of the Promised Neverland really nail are the secret of we know the secret of what's happening to the children, like. Like in a ways, narratively, that's that that secret's already boring. That secret is no longer interesting. It doesn't contribute anything to the story anymore. So the promised Neverland understands we need to introduce new secrets. We need to introduce new factors that that upend the status quo and force us to like uh, reconfigure the way we approach things because that is way more interesting to uh, to see. Right, and so they do kind of add on more layers now like you know the the main three are not totally united in what they're trying to accomplish they're you know generally moving towards the same goal but their motivations are very different um yeah. we even see like uh don and gilda in episode six taking some of their own initiative um and then you know we kind of end on the the cliffhanger of you know what's going to happen with uh with sister crone and how she's going to factor into it so, you know, there's a lot they, – they've asked a lot more questions to, I guess, keep us interested, like you're saying, G. Um, yeah, yeah. I think – because with the introduction of each of these new layers, it kind of adds more facets to, like 
because because it, it even adds facets to the pre-existing you know agendas that existed with these characters. You know, right. like like you already have the you have the interesting core trio of like Emma idealistically wants to save everybody. Ray will do anything he can do to ensure Emma and Norman's survival, and Norman. <laughs> I don't want to say too much about Norman. Norman is maybe the most interesting of the three in the terms of his agenda and like what he is willing to do to achieve it. But I'll just leave it at, he wants to do whatever will make Emma happy. So. Right. Right. Uh, but also, regardless, agree, regardless, but also regardless, agreed to trick her. Yes. yes regardless if Emma is okay with that or not. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, yeah. We start to get a glimpse of how far Norman is willing to go. Uh, to accomplish whatever he's trying to accomplish. I do think it was good that they showed um, Emma being suspicious of Ray agreeing to help when they're trying to trick her because yeah. I, 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 you know, they kind of make it and they kind of have painted Emma as maybe not as being as smart as the other two, which is, you know, perhaps unfair when it's you've got like you know batman and sherlock holmes uh <laughs> going at it with each other yeah. but so i think it was good to show that you know she's not just going to be like the the you know the muscle and the heart here that she you know she's also very smart she even is, if she's not, uh, not definitely savvier but yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, definitely savvier than she lets on but uh that said I I am starting to get a little fatigued with like the believability that these kids are eleven and ten years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I didn't. I didn't think it was. To too, Manga. Yeah, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was too bad in the first couple episodes because they still showed some kind of like emotional vulnerability, but now now it's getting it's getting a little much. Like, yeah, like, like my, my, my niece is 10, like, and I know how she acts and she's very smart, but like Did your niece uh, escaped from a prison where they shipped off children to be eaten by demons. I, I, maybe, but not in the, uh, <laughs> not in the ways that not to the level of like, you know, the, not, not, not to the way that like these kids are thinking. And then also just like the, you know, the whole thing with, uh, with, um, with like with like Don and Gilda and you know they're they're supposed to be they're supposed to be ten, right? Like <laughs> they're you know, you know, him like having that whole emotional arc of like, you know, we just want to be included and all that and like those all those conversations and stuff. I'm like, that's I, I don't feel like those are conversations you would have that seriously at ten years old, but I I don't yeah. know. They're also they're also being raised in a very different environment than I normally. Yeah, the problem, like the thing is that you basically are forced to accept the premise of oh, this prison raises like super genius children, right? Because like that's the only way this premise makes any sense at all. Yeah. Otherwise, like ninety percent of the things they do in the story don't really don't really track right. with what your average ten to eleven year old accomplishes. So yeah. And I, I I get that, and I and I'm always the first to suspend my disbelief, so that's not usually a problem for me. It's just it's just starting to wear on me a little bit because it is like a little ridiculous. But um, I don't know. Again, like you said, it's a very different environment than what an average ten or eleven year old would have grown up in. So who's to say? But uh, anyway, the show's still good though. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, they are certainly not shy to use those cliffhangers at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about that a bit, Eero? <laughs> I mean, so, like, there's fundamentally different types of cliffhangers. Um, I, I think the right type of way to do cliffhanger is when something crazy happens at the end of the episode, and then as the next episode begins, we have to deal with, the, like, the new status quo or whatever. But occasionally the show is doing the thing where the cliffhanger is and the door opens and behind it is right. Something crazy. Well, is, and then the next episode starts about to happen, and, but you don't know what it is till next week. Yeah. No, and then inevitably what happens next week is it wasn't that big of a deal and we can keep going on with our lives. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's like, that's kind of the cheaty way to use a cliffhanger. Uh, yeah. But, I would definitely say that for better or worse, the problem is Neverland is very guilty about that plot trick. It, right. I think it relies on it a little too much. And again, I don't want to use this. I don't want to ever use this podcast to talk about like my issues with the manga because we might not ever get to that part of, in, of the story in the anime. But like, there are parts later in the manga that still use that plot trick where it doesn't really feel appropriate, and you're like, oh, that. Well, you're just kind of deflating the drama out of the room every time you do this. Like, right. eventually, you know, it's, it's it's the boy who cried wolf situation. You you cry wolf one too many times, and like, I'm just gonna stop taking it seriously. But, right. yeah. But uh, you know, yeah. uh, concerning the anime itself, I will say, I will say that it 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 hits often enough with its cliffhangers that I think it's still. Uh, they're still worth investing in, you know. Yeah. Like, as somebody who's read the manga, I will say that like the Sister Crone stuff that we're gonna see in like the next couple of episodes is very interesting. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we can, uh, I'm curious. We can. We'll have to see where that goes then next time. So we'll we'll talk about that next episode, I guess. But yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how they're gonna spin that. But yeah, it just—it just. I mean, we know there's only so much they can shake things up, like in the middle of the season or whatever. So it's kind of hard to like take those cliffhangers. Like even like last last episode or last episode when we talked about how it ended with you know the Ray thing. Like I didn't think he was going to be like. I didn't think that was really going to change much, and you know, it 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 did change some things, but you know, ultimately. You know, we kind of settled back into the similar routine, so I, I don't know. But we'll we'll see how that all goes. Still a good show. Yeah. Um, well, these kids have to pay the price of smiles. <laughs> speaking of a show that maybe isn't good, I I don't know if you got going to be <laughs> oh, willing. I to don't say know. Show's good, <laughs> at least the traditional and a traditional sense, anyway. Uh, so what's uh, going on? With the show? I feel like I feel, like I feel very, I feel very <laughs> similar to how you guys must feel with Takagurui. I just like hearing you tell me what happens. This goddamn show. Uh, All right. So where are we at? Six and seven. Um, Empire has broken through. They have invaded the capital of the uh, the kingdom. Uh, episode six kicks off with um, the princess kind of. Once again, kind of in a funk because she is realizing, you know, the weight of responsibility, the weight of her leadership and like, hey, uh, my commands explicitly 
get people killed. Like that is that is that is the that is the price of leadership, you know. Yep. And so we're having another big battle. We're like, <clears throat> you know, the uh, the the empire is attacking the kingdom, and the kingdom's like, oh, you know, they're like they're holding out as best they can, but like realistically, like. They just don't have enough manpower. They don't have enough mechs. They don't have enough resources left to actually really like fight this war anymore. You know, it's to the point now where like you know the old ace commander guy who's like, he's like, I haven't piloted a mech in quite a few years, but you know, it's time <laughs> to take be, to the field. Go out, it'll be good for morale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's at the point right where you know, yeah, it's like, it's 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 uh it's Yang Wen Li sorting out in the Hyperion, <laughs> except he's not really, and Royenthal, you're just a dumbass. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyways, yeah. But so, uh, that battle happens. It's going bad for the kingdom because, like, at this point, it's just like the kingdom has just lost too much in this war. You know, like they, it, it's they're very much in the same kind of death spiral that the FPA currently is in the Legend of the Galactic Heroes, where like this, no matter what happens at this point, it's like just too little to recover from the position they're in uh, until. Until the princess, like, you know, because she spent this whole episode being like, oh, what does it mean to be the ruler of a people? Like, how can I, how can I save lives? Like, how can a ruler save lives? You know, because everybody's telling her, like, look, as the ruler, your job is to take lives. Like, that is what your job is. Like, you will take lives to save lives kind of thing, you know? And she finally, you know, breaks out of her funk. And they hinted in the episode one that she's actually, like, this fucking mega tactical genius that, like... You know, right, she just sees like battles in a way others don't, and Even I could have a, I could, twelve years old. Yes, yes. And so she like comes, she watches the battle, you know, and uh, she realizes that like, oh wait a minute, like, like there's a way we can win this fight, and like she realizes, oh like actually the area they're fighting on is like super unstable because there's like underwater caverns like underneath it, and like manages to like trigger an explosion with artillery that like collapses the whole area so it creates this huge canyon between the empire and the and the kingdom at least on this battlefield at least on this uh. battlefield yes yes and it's one of those things where it's like i could go into a really long tangent about like how like how hard it is to write good tactics like 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 how hard it is to write like good like how how hard it is to write somebody who is believably a genius like Again, save this for the for our sister podcast. <laughs> like writing somebody who is actually a a bona fide military genius is super hard because you, the writer in and of a, of yourself, kind of have to be a little bit of a genius too to like write good, <laughs> believable strategies. Because the problem with this is that the thing that I'm side eyeing is how come it took the twelve year old girl to notice that this is what the terrain looked like, like all the commanders. Right. All the generals, not a single one of them mentioned, oh, by the way, the ground here is very unstable, and with not even that much explosions, it's like one barrage of artillery collapses the entire thing. They it's like, like they like trigger all their landmines. Yeah, or something. It's, like, it's, like, it's like, wait, you because like they're fighting on the defensive. They were the ones who set up their defenses before the Empire attacked. It's like, so wait, you you had you all this notice? time to set up these mines and you didn't notice like, you know. Is, it, is, is this a uh, Zephyr particle situation? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more of a like this. This is this is that the problem is the princess is being written as an anime genius by a writer who is not a genius, essentially, right? <laughs> like it, it, they're, they're 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 pulling up the kind of tactical ass poles that people like Lelouch or Light pull off, you know? Right. Where it's like they're not actually smart plans; just everybody else is too stupid to notice them. 
And I think that is always like far less satisfying to watch. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but like it doesn't actually matter because <laughs> she decides to surrender anyway, because that's what that's what it'll take to save the lives of her citizens. Yeah, so but, she uh, decides that she's going to surrender to the Empire, be like, fuck it, like, we cannot win this war, like, they will continue to kill us, they will continue to burn our cities down, I will surrender, and we'll try to negotiate for, like, favorable terms. But oh and, no! But, uh, <laughs> her leadership have better on other ideas! Then, uh, once again, they're like, yes, princess, we are, uh, we are going, we are the delegation that will take you to, uh, the Empire, uh, uh, borders to sign um, the, the yeah, armistice treaty just come here on this ship and then like halfway through the trip she's like oh boy aren't we going in the opposite direction of the border and we're like sorry princess like we can't have you surrender we will fight into the end we will fight this war to the bitter end and she's just like what have you people done <laughs> like you have doomed our people uh and it's like oh man this show just <laughs> And that's just episode six, dog. We, ain't, we haven't even gotten to episode seven. Holy uh, shit. So episode seven is like the Empire is fully occupied, the capital of the kingdom. They're burning the flags. Yep. <laughs> burning the flags. That's right. right. We just had this great scene where they're just un- they're, they're taking down every single like, kingdom flag in the city. Some kingdom flags just throwing them on the fire. Yes, yes. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Eero, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so it's kind of downtime for the Empire Squad that we've come to know uh, and love. Uh... Uh, yeah, one of their number got injured during uh, like an earlier uh, during episode. the previous episode's battle. Yeah, yeah and um, and he's gonna get out of the hospital soon. So yeah, we need to make we need to throw a party for him. Because he was injured enough to be discharged for military service as well. He's in a wheelchair and everything. <clears throat> and so it's kind of a downtime episode of we're going around and looking for ways to throw party. Harv- like fi- finding shitty old rations or whatever. Or like raiding the princess's wine cellar. <laughs> That's right. Which is pretty good. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, most of these bottles got ruined by the shelling of the, the of the city, but yeah. a couple of them made out okay, I guess. Yeah, we'll just take them. It's pretty good. I'm gonna throw them away anyway. She's twelve years old. She ain't gonna drink that shit. It's true. Uh, so they throw the party, and the old commander man reveals that he runs an orphanage back home. This commander man that, by the way, sounds suspiciously a lot like Kiryu from Yakuza. It's not him, but he has like, the same cadence and like tone to his voice. He happens to be yeah. an orphanage or whatever. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, and you know, Crip uh, guy who was an injured guy is like, my parents run a farm, but then we used to, we used to, we used to be okay, but if we fell into poverty because my dad bought some bad seeds. <laughs> And he told me, and he told me that I was also a bad scene. <laughs> ran away to the military. Oh, you know, it's it's, it's and, and so you know, an old man's like, "Well, you should you should come work in my orphanage if you don't want to go back home." And he's like, "How can I, a bad seed, help grow other seeds?" Oh, right, yeah. right. You know, it's it's a real fucking like. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, there's already like a bunch of implications in the story we've seen so far that the commander guy himself. Maybe like a Kiryu Kazuma has done some ratchet shit in his past, and that in a way, this orphanage is also his way of trying to atone. Kiryu did nothing, but, uh, wrong, but 
Wow. <laughs> You're right. Chiri did nothing wrong. Majima was the one who did some things wrong. But yes, let's go. Majima did everything wrong. Uh, <laughs> but uh, man. yeah. So it's it, the thing. I kind of I was not initially as sold on this episode until it got later into it, where I was like, okay, actually, I kind of really like this episode because like it's it's not the soldiers fighting or anything. It's just them hanging out in like the captured capital, and like there are some surprisingly good little bits of storytelling here and there. You know, we're like. You know, the Empire soldiers kind of remark that, like, man, like, fucking, we don't get any of this shit back in the Empire, you know, or, like, which kind of implies, like, like you know, kind of the economic, like, disparity between the two nations, or, like, there's a part where, like, the soldiers kind of share, like, their local, like, their the delicacies, right. like, local town area. Right. like during their party. Right, where guys like, hey, yeah, this is a local delicacy in our town, everybody loves these beans, and, you know, the... They they taste awful, and then another dude's like, ah, don't worry, wash it down with some of my town's like local delicacy. It's this like awful herbal drink that tastes even worse. It's like it's 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 you know it's not the like the the most compelling or well written like stuff, but like it does a good job of like kind of evoking the feeling of you know you know the the, the age old trope of oh these soldiers are people too, and like they're just trying to get by as best they can. And for after a while, you're like, hmm, all right, this is an okay episode, but not 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 really what I'm here for with Price of Smiles until the last two minutes. Oh boy! <laughs> we also we also get Stella's like drag comically overawed backstory. Oh of... yes, I forgot. Yes, <laughs> yes, she's a she's a she's an she, orphan. She, she, and... She's talking to old man out on the balcony. And she doesn't she doesn't necessarily prove orphanages. But old man's like, I'm not raising kids who are like you, who smile <laughs> and pretend that nothing's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a pretty good bit there where Commander directly calls her out on her uh, fucking soulless uh, smile that she throws on, like, most of the time. But, uh... Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so then the episode ends with uh, there's guy. Off, there's guy. He's, uh, he's agreed he, to go work at the orphanage after he yeah, stops at yeah. home. Yeah, and he's, so he's he's boarding the you know he's boarding the unarmed transport ship with all the other injured soldiers being sent back to Empire territory. When that transport gets attacked and destroyed, I, did, I, say, I can see where this is going. <laughs> uh, and uh, he is killed before he gets back home. No, no. And, uh, you know, after the whole moral that even the bad seed that doesn't take root can flourish if cared for properly just like these sunflowers in the palace that someone cared for you can also grow tall if you don't get blown up yeah if you don't get attacked while you're in your unarmed transport ship uh, <laughs> which so funny. you know just, uh, that's the part was ah there's the price of smiles i know and love this uh, this continues to sound like the type of show if it had a competent writer and a better <laughs> would be really good. Oh and yeah, totally. No. It, yeah. It's just, <laughs> just the execution. I, I, when I was looking at the episode titles, I happened to randomly see a random commenter on episode seven compared this to like eating a steak dinner or something with no salt. Like the, <laughs> like this, because like, he specifically said like the character designs of the writing are terrible, but like the, the like the foundation is good. And it's like if you just had some had the right seasoning on it or something, you... a little bit of seasoning, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. It's I don't know if I'd go that. I'd say the thing that the price of smiles, like in all seriousness, like jokes aside, 
it's very ambitious. It's trying some things that like even most mecha anime don't really dare try, you know? And this is across the board, like both in the mecha aspect and the character aspects. Like in episode six, like once again, they kind of do like a large scale battle. Like it's a war, it's a battle between like dozens of mechs on each side fighting it out. And again, like a lot of mecha anime don't really try to do that. You know, most mecha anime tend to prefer their one-on-one fights. Expensive, man. Because it's expensive to animate more than that. But like, the Price of Smiles is using CG mecha, so they recognize, oh, one of the things we actually can afford to do is just, you know, control C, control V this mech right. like 15 times. Like, and uh, it, it helps lend to the illusion of a greater scale than most mecha anime. And then in the character stuff, it is, it is trying to be ambitious with like the princess's struggle with like the burden of leadership and like this idea that like it is naive to think that like like it is like the 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 show explicitly like fucking like you know shows it in her face it is naive to think that a soldier's job is to save people you know that a soldier's job at its core is to kill people preferably people that you know are not your people you know or all the stuff with like the empire it's like it's trying and it doesn't necessarily always succeed but the fact that it keeps trying is in and of itself uh kind of admirable right gotta be a good writer to pull that stuff off though i mean <laughs> yeah those are, those are, you know nuanced type of uh topics that you know require you know a certain level of insight and ability to write that you know not everybody <laughs> can pull off um you know insert your legend of galactic heroes right <laughs> um <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, again, that show continues to be a bit ahead of pace of everything. So I guess you're already yeah. kind of moving into the end game then, huh? Because we're next will be episode eight. So theoretically, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, speaking of the horrors of war, oh, I don't, I don't know about that one. Yeah, it works. Yeah. All right. So okay, let's let's move on to Kaguya-sama: Love Is War, our final show of the episode here. Um. I personally think the show has just been getting better every every time we talk about it, and it's kind of moved to my personal show okay. of the season. Um, All right, uh, we talked about um, last time how the like the airhead secretary girl Fujiwara has become like the MVP of the show, and uh, right, she definitely kills it in episode five. She does a lot of stuff, but uh, my my personal favorite moment was uh one of the other students come to the student council for for uh relationship advice and uh kaguya who's an idiot is like oh well you need a common enemy to fight that will bring you close together (laughs) 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 fujiwara tries to spin it into a better direction because because the the girl's like well we don't we're high school kids we don't have any like sworn enemies or anything and uh so Fujiwara is like, we all have an enemy, and it's society. You know, we need to rebel against the you know, ongoing wars and the increasing gap between the rich and the poor. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. All right, hey, you know what? Seize the means of production. And, uh, so uh, down with the bourgeoisie. So she's like, yes, we need to rebel against society. And so they show them later on. Um, they show them later on. Uh, they they see the t- the the couple that was asking for advice. Uh, working with some charity, doing like a charity drive thing or something like that. And uh, so Fujiwara says, uh, and I quote, I wrote it down, uh, 
The feeling of wishing for peace, that may be the true meaning of rebelling against society. <laughs> wow, thanks, thanks, Yang Wenli. So, Man. so even, though, even though she's kind of an airhead who claims to have an IQ of three, that's what she said herself in the, the well-animated ED thing from last time. But uh, she, she's dropping some uh, Yang Wenli quotes on us there. IQ yeah. of three? I don't think you can have an IQ it's of just, three. This is say an IQ of three. Yeah, that, well, it was an, it was a song lyric, so we got to cut her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was trying to fit it in there, but uh, that, yeah. I wonder if that's a fucking. Huh. You think it's a reference to something? <laughs> it it might be. Oh, I, is I, I don't, don't want to call out references unless I'm 100 percent sure. Okay, well, do you, is that an Oompa Loompa lyric? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, 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 all right, I don't. Right, wait, tell you what, let's do the wait, let's, let's do the research on that, and we'll get back. To the wait, 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 wait. What are you? <laughs> wait, what? Like in the song when, when, when they're when they, when they're doing when they call out the kid for watching too much television in Boy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. All right. Oh, is there a line about having an IQ of three? Yes. Oh okay. shit. I, well, that's I a little more explicit. I commend, your, I commend your extensive knowledge of the the song lyrics. <laughs> From Willy Wonka. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's impressive, man. We'll, we'll, we'll double check on that one and get back to everybody next week. But great, sure. Needless to say, Fujiwara. <laughs> and then in um, in episode six, we finally get some more characters because I've heard people talking about the yeah, there's even more characters to show up. So I mean, there's like another dude who shows up in the opening, right? Yeah. So the dude shows up. He's the treasurer of the student council. And he's um he's literally the main character from Persona Three. Oh, uh, fucking sure! Like he has like uh, he has the hair and the headphones, and he's kind of like quiet and blunt and whatnot. But uh, he's also um, he's also apparently very uh, sensitive and emotional, and he also thinks that sure. Kaguya is a serial killer and wants to murder him. And hilarious, oh, sure. hilariously, the evidence does not disprove his theory <laughs> well you know hmm uh well because it starts because because like literally everybody knows that the the main two are in love right and, but he's this guy is just very blunt and honest so he's like hey so are you in love with the president and she's like i, <laughs> I will literally murder you <laughs> So, <laughs> so, 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 kind of hit the the whole shtick with him is how terrified he is of Kaguya because he legitimately thinks that she is going to murder him, and he pro- and she probably would. So, um, that kind of adds a a fun new dynamic. Plus, they they also reveal that her maid is also another student at the school, which is kind of weird. That's always <laughs> weird. Like the blonde yeah. maid. So. She apparently is, is like so by day she's a normal high school student who acts all like cutesy and like she's popular and has lots of friends and everything. Oh. And then by night she's her like serious maid or whatever. And like 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 during the day she has like they show on her bag she has a tag that says uh beauty is ammo. Um hmm. okay. Uh, pretty good. That's, huh. a, that's a pretty good quote. But uh that's a pretty good motto to have. And uh, yeah, so 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 six kind of round. I, I I'm kind of sad it took so long to round out the whole cast, but uh, I feel like now we kind of have everybody in place to like, uh, you know, get the full scope of what the show has going on, and it, it's pretty great because sure. like I was, 
my main concern in like episode one and two is like, can they really drag this out for 12 episodes without, you know, get us getting bored and they've thrown us enough, uh, kind of variation in there to keep it fun and interesting. And it's, so it's not just the two, you know, idiots being, uh, you know, being in love with each other. And even that that sounds, uh, that sounds good. I mean, I think, I think I remember back when you were talking about this show at the very beginning, I think we were, we were all, we, we, we all were saying like, this has got legs. Like, can they really just like, because the problem with Takagi-san, right, is like there was only one dynamic, and that dynamic had to carry the entire show. So, like, yeah, I think good. I, I guess it's uh, good to hear that they've uh, yeah, like, figured out how to keep out, it fresh. I kind of blocked out in Takagi-san how much they cut away to the other three girls just to like kill time. Oh yeah, totally. And that yes, had like nothing to do with the show. It was like clearly, the, like it was like a clearly the worst part of the show, but like they, they couldn't literally only have Takagi and Shikata uh, going back and forth right. for every for 12 episodes. So like that was an attempt to break things up and it didn't work. Whereas in this case, they're doing a fantastic job adding other characters to kind of break things up. And it, it to the point where it's actually just making the show that much better. Um, you know, the, 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 the side cast are kind of the MVPs here, but um, you know, right. Even so, like the and and they do make sure to to kind of nail the, the the main part with the main couple. Like, there's been a lot of like episode six ends with like because you know these shows can get frustrating when you know there's it's like okay, you guys, you, you can't be this stupid, right? Like, just make out already. Yeah. So, yeah exactly. So like at the end of episode six, the, the last arc, Kaguya gets like her nails done and she's waiting for the president to notice, but the president doesn't want to say anything because he doesn't want to like play his hand, and he's like doing all these like mental gymnastics and everything. And finally at the end, he's like, am I just an idiot? And I'm just being like too shy here. <laughs> like, am I just, <laughs> Oh, weird, uh, weird self-awareness. Yeah, and so, so like, so like, so at the, so like the very last scene, he like, it dashes out to go catch Kaguya before she leaves. And he's like, and he tries like his best to say that her nails are cute, like with no, like mind games or anything like that and he's like extremely nervous and he could like barely spit anything out and it's really cute and kind of it was a nice it was it's nice to have those moments of like reality so that it's not just like these guys are just not all of them trying to kill each other yeah so you know it's 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 managing to balance all the different things it has going very well which i think is probably the strongest point of the show at this this point so, um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's a, it's definitely a top tier, you know, romantic comedy. If that's your thing, but uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So I think that's gonna do it for this episode. We got a couple hours break before the Crunchyroll Anime Awards come out. Aren't you guys excited? <sighs> so as of recording that's going to be happening in like four hours so like i think 9 p.m eastern or something i probably won't watch all right Maybe, so all, uh, all uh, I mean, out there tune in the glorio <laughs> network will be live chatting over the Crunchyroll anime awards yeah, but i was listening to this like two days after those things are exactly so you'll have you'll already know our thoughts on it by then so <laughs> not to throw too much shade but like it's hard to see how it could be worse than last year because uh, yeah. yeah. produc- the production like when you're cutting to like the video from two awards ago uh, when you're announcing the award that you're supposed to be talking about right now, 
like, well, they they got a, they got maybe they have they'll have more budget this time because they they're sponsored by Devil May Cry Five. They, <laughs> well, it leads to the, look, uh, man. I, look. I keep, I keep saying the uh, the Crunchyroll Awards uh, featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Devil May Cry series. Yes. 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 Uh, look, man. Uh, live productions are hard. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I feel for them, but also like they also make it very easy to clown on because yeah. A, the production is not that great. B, the awards themselves are kind of chicken shit. <laughs> so like on some so, level, so the like, nominees were good, but like I have, I don't expect any of the right ones to win, but, uh, right. It's, it's just, we'll see. It's hard to take seriously. And it's like, we don't mean to like, I don't mean it to like, as a, as a way of like, you know, castigating anime fandom as a whole, even though you all completely deserve it. But like, just like you know, also the fact that the awards are voted on by the people means that like you're just going to end up with like just shield what everybody watched the most of, right? So it's going to be like you know, Shield Hero, fucking Darling in the Franks. See, well, that's the other thing. Like, sort of this is still like, for 2018 only, and we've all kind of we're in February. Yeah, we don't care. About, yeah, we're, also, that. We're, yeah, we're almost a March now at this point, right? So uh, we are more than halfway through February. Oh, at this don't point. even say that. Yeah. God damn so, it. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's it's probably telling that while the nominees are pretty good and put together by a panel of people that actually includes people I respect, the uh, the fan the you know the fan vote thing is what really kills it because you know that's how we get the results. And my fans are morons, including us. Yes, sure, but. Uh... <laughs> But uh, we're 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 still somehow better than the rest I, of you. I, I, yeah, yeah, the glory, the glory chat oh. is the least moronic anime podcast <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> anyway, I, I appreciate uh, that they do it. To be honest, it gives us something to talk about, and we'll probably maybe we'll winners. Maybe we'll win the winners next episode, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, um, we need to kill some time again in the next podcast. <laughs> we, we've run out of battle royale jokes. Yeah. We can instead make jokes about the anime awards. Yeah, it's easy, so. easy material. They're they're writing it for us. So indeed, indeed. Anyway, so that'll do it. Uh, you can uh, read. Well, we we, have, we haven't put much to read up lately. <laughs> Well, look, you can time. check out the glorioblog.com for all of our content. Well, we'll probably get a um, we're about due for our uh, our op eds post best uh, openings endings for the season. Uh, yes, that's yes, that, that may be in the next two to three weeks, so keep an eye out for that. <laughs> read the, uh, <laughs> so, read our stuff at the glorioblog.com. Uh, <sighs> If we when we decide to write things, I, I will. I have some ideas for things to write, and I just need time to do them. So hopefully, we'll get something out. Just apologies, we are all. It's a busy beings. time. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. We're not getting paid to do this. So, yeah, so there's that. Follow us on Twitter at the Glorio Blog. Uh, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, we're on Podbean. The podcast also goes up on YouTube. Uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes can be seen on High Dive and VRV. Yes. <laughs> our, our podcast, Legend of the Glorio Heroes, on the same feed. Check that out and watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes on High Dive. <laughs> um, did I miss anything? Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Yeah. That's about it. I think that's about it. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe. On YouTube yes. So we. We like want you around. Subscribe. Smash that bell icon. Yeah. Is it a bell? Join that notification squad. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, that. Uh, all right. Let me wrap it up before we continue to make fools of ourselves here. So 
that'll do it for the show. Too late, man. Thank you guys for being on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. And we'll catch yeah, you, thank you all next time. See you later. Bye.